Welcome to A Word from the Valley, a weekly podcast produced for you from Zion Lutheran Church in Middletown, Maryland. For more information about our faith community and our weekly worship services, visit us at zionmiddletown.org or find us on Facebook. We hope you have a great week, and God bless. It was a ludicrous idea. Mary leaving in the early morning hours on that first Sunday to go to the tomb to anoint the body of our Lord. It was a ludicrous thing for her to do all by herself. How would she move the large stone in front of the doorway? What if someone grabbed her in the middle of the night? While the text says she comes to anoint the body of Jesus, I think we also need to read between the lines and realize Mary is deeply grief-stricken. Her Lord, her friend, her teacher was brutally murdered, betrayed by one of her own friends. His death is only three days old. In her mind, she hasn't had a chance to really process all that has happened. His death was so sudden. They go from eating a meal to him being arrested, tried, convicted, and murdered. Her arrival in darkness is a sign that she does not yet understand that Jesus was to rise from the dead. But as she got close to the tomb, her already shattered world broke even more. The stone was rolled away. She runs to get help, but Peter and John hardly understand what's going on either. John reports that after each of them went into the tomb, they saw and believed, but believed what? That Jesus had risen from the dead? Unlikely. You know, Rome was very good at making sure those condemned to death were actually dead. Jesus wasn't in some kind of coma for three days and somehow magically pushed a stone away and walked out. The only person who really had any success at bringing someone back to life at this point was Jesus himself. He's dead. Most likely, Peter and John left the tomb believing that someone had robbed the grave and taken the body of Jesus away. They leave with just as much sorrow as when they arrive because they were not in a position to go to the authorities. The authorities were coming for them next. Who could even help them at this point? Weeping in sorrow, Mary's world was made even ever darker by her Lord's body missing. In the midst of her grief and sorrow, in the midst of her tears, Mary did not see the light that had already come into the world. Two men appear in the tomb. They question her, but the darkness of her despair was thick around her. They asked, woman, why are you weeping? Where did they come from? Are they the thieves ready to attack her next? And someone asked her again, woman, why are you weeping? This time she doesn't recognize Jesus. For what reason, John doesn't really tell us why she doesn't recognize him. But it is in this moment of exhaustion and grief that she says exactly what she understands is happening at that moment. She says, sir, 
If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She believes Jesus has been taken away by some robbers, or maybe this gardener. She just wants him back, so that she might perform her sacred duty of preparing the body. But you can't prepare a dead body that isn't dead. For unbeknownst to her, the body of the slain crucified Jesus is not dead anymore. He is alive. In the darkness of the morning light, the light of Christ shines with the brightness of the sun and quickly overshadows her darkness when Jesus calls her by her name, Mary. In an instant, her grief is quickly replaced with joy and her sadness vanishes. He's back in the flesh, the wounds still visible on his body, but he's alive and he's standing right in front of her. And she so much wants to hold on to Jesus. She wants to hold on to him in this moment and never let him go. But it's in this moment that her sadness, because in this moment her sadness has been replaced with joy. In this moment, all the cares of yesterday and Friday are gone. All that matters that is in this moment in time, this moment when the powers of death have finally lost their hold on us, her friend and teacher who was once dead is now alive. And all she wants to do is live in this moment, to stay in this moment. But she can't. None of us can. We can't stay here. We can't stay in the garden with Jesus. You can't stay here in this moment because there is a world of people out there who have not heard this good news. They have not heard that death has been vanquished. They haven't heard that God has redeemed them. They don't know that the grief and shame of their sin that they feel has been taken away. For our Lord, their Lord is not dead. Mary was told by Jesus that she can't hold on to him, but instead she needs to go back and tell the others who have no clue of what is going on. She needs to go back and tell the others that he is risen. Mary is tasked with being an evangelist, a preacher, the first one to tell the world, to tell the church, assembled in grief and longing that we have indeed seen the Lord. My friends in Christ. There is a world full of people out there who are living as though every day is a good Friday. They are stuck at the foot of the cross, atoning for sins that were long forgiven by Jesus. There are people out there who think their best, that think their best days are in the past. Who say things like, oh, back in the day, this place just won't make it. Instead of seeing the good that God is doing here and now. There is an entire church who continues. And I mean, I say church, I mean the whole Christian church. Who continues to think that everything was great before March 14th, 2020. Oh yeah, things were great back before the pandemic happened. We didn't have any problems with budgets. We didn't have any conflict in the church. We were fine. The COVID ruined everything. Just like it was 50, 60, 70 years ago. Nothing was broken back then, right? There's a whole church that still thinks that their best days are behind themselves instead of seeing the potential ministry, all the potential ministry opportunities that await us. 2,000 years ago, Mary encountered Jesus in the garden. Her life was forever changed. She was a church of one who went out and told the others what she had seen. 
from that single individual, the word of God spread to another 11 and quickly grew beyond the group. The good news of that early morning encounter spread like wildfire. We are a people of resurrection. And being a people of resurrection means that we can't continue to weep and hold on to what used to be or the idea of what used to be. Holding on to what used to be doesn't allow for the resurrection to take place. Yes, death is hard. And letting things that need to die, die, is very hard because it feels like we failed, right? But death brings resurrection. What needs to die in your life? What needs to die in our church? Think about that tonight. But I want you to remember as you think about those things, but what needs to die? Remember, God knows a thing or two about resurrection. It's not the task of the church to remain in the garden and weep for what used to be. It is not the task of the church to hold on to the old Jesus, to hold on to the way things used to be. It is the task and duty of the church to proclaim the good news that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Lent is over. Good Friday is in the past. Today is a new day. And I invite you to wipe away the tears from your eyes, to live into God's new resurrected reality and proclaim the very good news. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.